Hey everyone, my name is Milan Ivanovic and I'm a research fellow at the Atlantic Council of Montenegro. I am Ivana Stradner and I'm a Jean Kirkpatrick fellow at the American Enterprise Institute in DC. And we are thrilled to be joining you here today on Conversation 6. We recently wrote a piece, Montenegro is the latest domino to fall toward Russia, about Montenegrin elections and Russian influence, but also what should the West do about it? Honestly, the Balkan has not been on the agenda of the West for more than two decades. But before we discuss Montenegro's elections in greater detail, Ivana, why don't you please tell our listeners about Russia's influence in the Balkans more broadly? Sure, uh, because the West has not been paying attention to the Balkans, this power vacuum has been filled by Russia and more recently China. For Moscow, the Balkans is strategically important because it's a bridge between East and West. The Black and Mediterranean Seas and the Balkans' proximity to the Middle East are chief reasons for Russia's engagement there. Also for Moscow, the Balkans is a tool to steer attention from Ukraine and, more, and, and probably Belarus in the future. Moscow also aims to prevent further NATO and EU enlargement. Finally, the Western Balkans has become Russia's next battlefield for the West. So how is Russia accomplishing its goals? Russia's toolkit actually is very diverse. It influences the Balkans via religion, politics, public opinion, economics, energy, and education. In other words, through soft power, which is a powerful tool because of common history and religion. I mean, exactly. But we're all aware of the EU's internal issues. But I think it's high time it wakes up and does something to deter more Russian influence in the Balkans. The international community should really pay attention to what's happening, not just in Montenegro, but in the region. And as you said it well, Montenegro is important for Russia because of its location on the Adriatic Sea and its associated naval presence. Yeah, so now let's turn our attention to Montenegro. So can you shed more light on the most recent Montenegro's election and Russia's influence by the Orthodox Church? Uh, of course. Uh, I mean, in Montenegro, Mila Djukanovic has been in power for nearly 30 years as the president of pro-Western Democratic Party of Socialists, which lost its bid for re-election, although he will stay the president of the country until 2023. Taking their place is a pro-Russian, pro-Serbian-led alliance, which has given Moscow an ally, not just within NATO, but also potentially within the EU once Montenegro joins. Uh, what we also mentioned, but not in great detail in the article, and I would love to explain further, is the diversity and disparity of the new majority, where you have pro-EU and NATO parties, and on the other side, you have this conglomerate of pro-Serbian and Russian right-wing nationalistic parties gathered within the coalition named for the future of Montenegro. And the obvious differences already made it to the surface regarding certain issues. Speaking of the religion and the church, the Moscow-leaning Serbian Orthodox Church is not only the largest religious institution in Montenegro, but also on the other side hopes to position itself as one of the state's most decisive political players. The church supported and proposed the leader of the new majority, but their influence didn't end there. Even before the election, uh, high officials of the Serbian Orthodox Church in Montenegro publicly said who should be and who should not be voted. And right after the elections, when the new parliamentary majority found themselves stranded, so to say, in their own disagreements, church intervened and organized the meeting in the most sacred place in Montenegro, which is Ostrov Monastery, 
to facilitate the talks in which they also participated. And right there, you can see how much of influence that Serbian Orthodox Church has in Montenegrin political sphere. And uh, I don't want to forget something, you have to mention it, after a new mayor in Budva, which is sitting in Montenegro, was elected, he called priests and organized a ceremony within, within the municipality building to cleanse it. Uh, and speaking of the current affairs, I would love to mention that the right now the biggest issue is who's going to run the security sector. Some voices from the West suggested that, you know, pro-Russian parties should not do it. So that's why the, the other side has the upper hand in this situation. And also, I would like to go back to you now, Ivana. Could you please tell our listeners why should the West care about Montenegro and not just Montenegro, but the region? and the Russian influence there. Sure. Okay, so let me get this straight. Uh, Russia might provoke further conflict escalation in the Balkans, and I'm very much concerned about Bosnia. So we should pay uh, more attention to Russia's activities there. The U.S. should remain solidly committing leading efforts to solve the cost of a dispute and wrest control of that narrative from Russia. So the U.S. engagement in the region and opening of the DFC office in Belgrade is a step in the right direction. Um, in the region, the U.S.-led alliance should also establish a cyber hub to counter Russian malign influence. And it's important to note, Russia's trouble in Europe's own backyard is not primarily America's problem, and the European Union should be more engaged in the region. So having said that, it's high time to confront Russia's cyber games before American and European interests are permanently damaged in the Balkans. Well, thank you, Ivana. And as our time runs up, I just want to say thank everyone for listening.